0: I'm not gonna miss the opportunity to remind everyone that this holiday that we are celebrating this weekend is the most expensive holiday for America. And we remember those who gave their life so that you and I could have the freedoms that we have here in America. And so important that we remember the families of those who have lost loved ones uh, serving our country, and that's what this weekend is about. And I pray that, that, that uh, you will not uh, go throughout the weekend without considering the fact that someone gave everything so that you and I could have what we have today. I also want to mention, um, as was prayed for earlier, we need to remember the nightmare uh, that parents and loved ones are waking up to every single day since uh, the tragedy in Uvalde. Many want to make this political. Some of you have seen that on uh, the stunts that have been pulled to make it political, to use uh, the death of children and adults in an attempt to get their name out. What a shame that is when we need to recognize what truly has happened. Uh, We live in a very dark and sinful world. And that dark and sinful world, this is what we get. This is what God told us would happen Uh, He warned us uh, of, of what happens when man lives on their own and does their own thing. If you are surprised by what took place in Uvalde, have you ever read your Bible? I say this all the time. Folks, by chapter number four, we have our first murder. A brother killing a brother. So to act as though this is something that we should not have expected is crazy. We've been seeing this. What it is, it's a tragedy, it's a shame, and it's something that should wake the church up to say, the world needs Jesus Christ. And so my prayer is that we will certainly uh, look at the reality of what our world needs. It needs Christ, no doubt about it. And they are desperate for the Lord. And we as a church should be doing everything we can to give people the hope of salvation and purpose. I also want to do this. There's a number. I'm not gonna have them stand, but I I want to also remind everybody we've recently had some people graduate uh, from high school and maybe even from college, and we just want to continue to lift those folks up. Uh, Some of the parents are excited um, because uh, they're going to be empty nesters, and... um, they're not going to know what to do with themselves. They're going to look at each other and go, well, it's Friday night. What do we do? We used to go to the ball game or the concert or this to that, and now what do we do? I don't know, but you'll figure it out, I promise. Yes, yes, uh, but it's good. We definitely want to continue to lift up those who will be headed to college, headed to work, are uh, in the military, so many different people we want to pray for this morning. If you have your Bible, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul is writing as he gives instructions on the Lord's Supper. He's writing to the church itself. And then he is going to give instruction about some of the things that were happening within the church. And we're going to use this text and then we're going to build into other things. But let's stand together as we talk about driving on the straight and narrow. Stay in your lane. It says, now in giving this next instruction... I do not praise you because of you coming, uh, you come together not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear that divisions exist among you, and in part, I believe it. There also have to be factions among you so that those who are approved may become evident among you. Father, my prayer this morning is that you will show us the picture that we should have as the church and that you will allow us to see the things that we may be doing in our personal lives that will cause damage to your people and keep others from ever darkening the door of the church. Lord, give us wisdom this morning to know what causes friction, know what causes fights, and know what causes division. So that we can be the church that you've called us to be, a beautiful body, an attractive body that brings people to you, that shines the light of Christ to bring people out of the darkness. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen and amen. So Paul is writing, and the very first thing he says, and he said the next instruction, I do not praise you. In other words, Paul is shifting gears to say, listen, I recognize the things that you've done, but here are the things that I have against you. Much like in the book of Revelation, when he was writing, when when, uh, John was writing about the seven churches and the letters that were there, and and he would start out with, here are the things that that you have going, but here's what I have against you. And Paul here is saying, here's what I have against you. He says that I understand that some of you are not coming together for the better, but instead for the worse. Uh, Folks, let me just share with you, and I've said this a lot from this pulpit, I have pastored the churches where people came, and and instead of all of them coming in to fellowship together, you would have one side of a church or one group in the church that would come in, and they would come in first and take their position within their, uh, their row, their pew, and then they would wait for the enemy, I mean their brothers and sisters, to come in. And sit on their side of the row and on their side of the church. And and then whenever uh, the church service was over, they would walk out the door. And, and I kid you not, here's what they would say about one another. I really hope so-and-so heard what you said today. Then you'd go to business meeting. And they would take their Scud missiles. Those old dirty missiles that would go across and do as much damage and collateral damage. They didn't care who they hurt. They would say things to each other and it would sometimes become a shouting match and it would get ugly and and as a pastor, you would just have to say this business meeting needs to end and you would just keep sharing the gospel and keep sharing the gospel and keep sharing the gospel because what you realized after a while was that the majority of your so-called
1: church members were lost. They didn't know Christ. person who knows christ is a person who desires fellowship
0: with god and fellow man he desires fellowship he desires to see people strengthen and grow he desires to see reconciliation within the church instead of being angry about something that they don't even know why they're mad about y'all y'all ever y'all anybody in here be honest anybody in here ever had a family feud and you just knew you didn't like so-and-so because your parents said you didn't like so-and-so but you really don't know why, and if your parents were honest, they really don't know either, but they just knew they weren't supposed to like them. So the same way within church a lot of times. We don't talk to that person over there.
1: Well, why not? Oh, you just don't know their past. Well, apparently I don't know your future because you're just a gossip.
0: The Bible says there's division, there's issues. And I want to talk about what causes those, but in order for us to do this, I'm going to use some strange statistics to get us there. There, excuse me, there are over 40,000 fatal car accidents per year in the U.S. Over 40,000 fatal car accidents in the U.S. 40% of those, how do you think they died? 40%, what do you think it was?
1: Driving like
0: you. Dri- <laughs> nope, that's actually 33%. <laughs> Somebody else, give me a shot. What do you think? Texting, Texting? okay. No, that's not it either. Alcohol. Alcohol. 40% uh, 40 or 16,000 of those killed on U.S. highways was due to drunk driving. People thinking that they had the right to drive. They were intoxicated. They were drunk. They got behind the wheel and they took someone's life. You say, what's that got to do with the church? Because let me tell you, I've been in churches where people were drunk with power. They felt like they were the only voice, the only person that needed to be heard, the only person that needed to be listened to, the only person that mattered. And and they were much like the Pharisees in Jesus' day. They were drunk with power. Luke 18, 9 through 14 says, Now he also told this parable to some people who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and viewed others with contempt. They had power. They were right and everybody else was wrong. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood with his robe and all the loud clanging cymbals that he would have had and to draw everyone's attention to him. The Pharisee uh, begins praying this in regard to himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other people.
1: Swindlers, crooked, adulterers are even like this tax collector.
0: I fast twice a week. I pay tithes of all that I get. So this man has put himself out there and He's intoxicated within himself. He's intoxicated with himself. And he is so full of himself that I imagine what God smells when his aroma goes towards heaven would be akin to cow manure
1: at a feedlot. But the tax collector, let me tell you about this tax collector. He knew how people thought of him,
0: he knew what people thought about tax collectors. He probably had no friends. He had no one that he could turn to. Instead, we see him standing some distance away, was even unwilling to raise his eyes towards heaven, but was beating his chest saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. Jesus said, I tell you, this man went to his house justified rather than the other one. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be
1: exalted. Folks, let me tell you, I watch committees, I watch how people work.
0: You've got to be very careful because when you serve alongside someone, you have to be open to other people's suggestions. You've got to be willing to listen to what other people say. But I've been in church long enough to know that there are people within the church who are so drunk on their own power. They are so self-absorbed that the only thing that matters is them. And if you don't do it exactly the way they want it done, well, then you become the enemy. And instead of working together, everything falls apart. And then you blame everyone else when the truth is it was your own fault because you couldn't handle the fact that not everything went your way. Christianity...
1: Christianity says, listen, we're a family. We're a group of people that work
0: together, that worship together, that live together, that come together to meet the needs of the world. So we therefore must meet together in our minds and in our hearts and say, we
1: got to listen to one another. That's the reason that God gave you a spouse that wasn't like you. How many of you in this room married the total opposite?
0: Yeah, yeah. Some of y'all were afraid to raise your hand because you didn't have permission. (laughs) There you go, roll. that's better. I saw her give you that. Some of you are like, I don't know what to do. Do I raise my hand or not? The truth is we're different, but with difference comes greater opportunities. If we are willing to listen and we're willing to take advice and we're willing to learn from others, we will find that we're going to be better people. But when I'm drunk with my own power and I'm intoxicated with the way that I think life should be about just me, everything around me starts falling apart. And we give the church a very bad name, a very ugly name. We give the church this name that that people look at and go, man, I don't want any part of that place because those people love themselves. And yes, I have been a part of churches just like that.
1: This is why I tell you when you come to Pine Island, we really do try to get along. Like
0: that's one of the things that we push here at this church is to learn to get
1: along. We learn to trust in God and we learn to trust in each other.
0: I have said this time and time again, that if something happened to me,
1: my family will not miss a beat because of the church that I serve in. You are our family.
0: You are the people that we stand beside. You are the people that we walk with. You are the people that we worship with. You are the people that we do life with. And there's not a doubt in my mind that
1: if something happened to me, my family would be more than taken care of. So if you come, if you're here, listen to me. Take the opportunity to look at the needs of others. Listen to the ideas of others. Don't be self-absorbed. Don't be drunk on your own power, but instead, feed life into others. Give to others what they
0: desperately need you see the Pharisees they were the only righteous people
1: in their mind so their voices were all that mattered so i want to stop for just a moment and i want to ask us to be very honest with ourselves adults teenagers teenagers you better listen to this one if all that matters is what's right to you, then you've got some confession to do. If all that matters is what makes you happy and all that matters, as long as everything goes the way I want it to go, then you're drunk on your own power. And we have to be very careful because if we're gonna be a light to a dark world, we have to be attractive.
0: When I say attractive, what I'm talking about is we've got to show people that we have found the
1: light of Jesus Christ, and it has made a difference. Moving on to the next part that Tyler spoke of because he's so witty.
0: 30% of those killed on those same highways was due to speeding driving too fast,
1: moving beyond what is given to us by the law. Speed was a factor in many, many
0: wrecks. Normally, those wrecks are single car accidents, single car accidents. Doesn't mean they all are because there's collateral damage sometimes when we're doing the wrong thing, but um, a lot of these Going too fast, hits the curve, and gone working for the funeral home for those years that I worked there i 'm going to tell you that that these statistics are dead on for what we saw we having to go out and pick up people uh, from a car you 'd see alcoholism playing, playing a part of it, not just alcoholism but any sort of of, of driving intoxicated marijuana all that so for some reason, we have raised a generation that thinks that smoking marijuana is should be legal, therefore I should be able to drive. Well, it does the same thing that alcohol does. Any sort of drug alters your mind. Well, speed is also dangerous and deadly. Matthew 16, we're going to read about someone who got a little bit too fast for themselves. Verse 13 says, now when Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he was asking his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist and others Elijah and still others Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And he said to them, but who do you yourselves say that I am? Now, Simon Peter, God bless him, right? Good old Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell or Hades will not overpower it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven then he gave the disciples strict orders that they were not to tell anyone that he was the christ boy so far it sounds good like man peter he's maturing peter's he's growing in his faith he's doing really good the problem with peter though is he's about to outrun his own maturity He's about to speed past where it is that he should be in his life.
1: Y'all ever known somebody that they got one answer right so they thought they knew all the other answers? Yeah? Let's keep reading. From that time, Jesus began to point out to his disciples that it was
0: necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and to suffer many things from the elders, chief priests and scribes and to be killed and to be raised up on the third day.
1: So he's been told this. Now, just a few hours before this,
0: Peter has declared that Jesus was the Christ. And since he is so mature, apparently Jesus needs to be talked to by Peter himself. Peter takes him to the side and began to rebuke him saying, God forbid it, Lord. This shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's purposes, but men's. At our church, we have a waiting period before we put people into active duty here at church. We want to watch, we want to see, we want you to understand who we are as a church. We want to understand who you are as a person, where your faith is, where you are. Because what happens is, much like Peter, we, we come in and we, we believe in our hearts that we know everything that needs to happen, and, and we know how to help the church, even though we haven't been here long enough to, to know what to do for the church. But, but we're going to come in and we're going to help. And the problem is, is that we get ahead of ourselves and we get ahead of the church. Peter declares Jesus to be the Christ, and then he gets ahead of himself and he begins to rebuke Jesus. We see this all the time in church. Somebody comes in and they surrender to ministry and all of it, automatically the church is like, well, we need to put them in a place of position and authority. No, they need to be in a place of learning. They need to be in a place where they can grow in Christ. They need to be in a place where they can come to maturity. They need to be in a place where they can begin to really be discipled as to what it looks like to be in ministry, what it looks like to do those things. And oftentimes, we will put people that are way, not necessarily too young by age, but too young in their call and faith in a place of position, and it ruins everything for that person. They get ahead of themselves in church, and we, we put them in places where they're not really supposed to be. One of the biggest issues that we're finding now is that young, young men, 19 to 25, in youth ministry can't handle the position. And they wind up falling for one of their students. And we get angry, we get mad, we get this, we get that. But a lot of times we didn't test their maturity first. They were not spiritually ready to take on that role, to take that position. They wind up doing things they have no business doing. They were speeding through ministry. They were speeding through life, and it puts a bad name and a bad light upon the church. But that's not all. Think about it this way. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 13, we read this. It is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. An overseer then must be above reproach, the husband of one wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, skillful in teaching, not overindulging in, indulging in wine, not a bully, not, but gentle, not contentious, free from the love of money. He must be one who manages his own household well, keeping his children under control with all, uh, with all dignity. But if a man does not know how to manage his own household, how will he then take care of the church of God? And not a new convert, that's important. Because a lot of times what we do, somebody will get saved and we're like, well, we need to put them in a position. They got to learn, they got to grow, they got to go fast. No, slow down. You're speeding it through the process. Not a new convert so that he will not become conceited and fall into condemnation incurred by the devil. And he must have a good reputation for those outside the church so that he will not fall into disgrace and the snare of the devil. How many young pastors do you know that never made it? They didn't get past their first pastorate because they couldn't handle the reality of what was happening there within the church. They weren't wise enough. They weren't mature enough. Deacons likewise must be men of dignity, not insincere, not prone to drink much wine, not greedy for money, but holding to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. These men must also first be tested. Tested. Then have them serve as deacons if they are beyond reproach. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossips, be temperate, faithful in all things. Deacons must be husbands of one wife and good managers of their children and their own household. For those who have served well as deacons obtain themselves a high standing and great confidence in the faith that is in Jesus Christ. One of the reasons that... We make sure that when we call someone in that position of deacon that they meet the qualifications. When we put someone in position as a pastor, they must meet the qualifications. But a lot of churches say, no, 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 we just need somebody to serve. And they move people ahead beyond what they're able to handle. And they speed them through the process
1: and then it messes everything up. People slow down. Grow in your faith. Read your Bible
0: study to show yourself approved a workman we've got to be people who are willing to put in the time and the work but a lot of us we want to speed through life without actually having to
1: do the work nothing good in life by the way comes easy put in the time put in the work put in the effort we speed through life getting to where we want to go we're going to miss so much I have to tell a story on a friend of mine who's in this church service. Brian Crowder and I went to go
0: pick up his mount from the taxidermist over in Valley. But before we did that, we went to Junction and stayed the night. And from Junction, we took the back roads and the back roads was like 60 miles an hour and we're doing like 30. And Brian, he's driving like this. Do, do, do. Wow, look at that over there. Isn't that pretty over there, Tom? Look at that. Hey, Tom, look at those turkeys. Now, Tom's thinking this way. Dude, we got to hurry. We're going to be on this road. This, this road should take us 30 minutes. We're going to be on this road for three hours. Brian didn't care.
1: Brian didn't care because Brian was like, yeah, but we're going to miss everything. We got to take a lesson from Brian and learn to slow down and to look at life, not to miss the things that are right in front of us, to enjoy what,
0: what God has put before us. And instead of always trying to get there first and get there, be honest, how many of you in here look at the GPS and you think that's the race, right? That's the time to beat right there. It says four hours and thirty seven minutes. I'm telling you right now, we can get there in four hours, right? Just don't take women or girls with you because you gotta stop all the time, right? You know. That's not a hey, that's nothing against women and girls, that's just the reality. Some of you ladies just look at me like, I can't believe he just said that. Y'all can talk to me after church, it'll be okay. When it comes to putting people in position to serve God, slow down, church. And, and if you're new in the faith, or you're even new to here to Pine Island, folks, just, just come in. Relax.
1: Soak up who we are, who God is, what we do. Because when we get
0: ready to fight the battles that God puts before us, God's going to Give you the position that you need and the placement that you need to fight the battles that He
1: has positioned you to win. Just slow down, all of us. Then finally, we see this. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane.
0: You say, What are you talking about? Well, 33% of the people that are killed on U.S. highways was due to the fact that someone couldn't stay in their own lane, texting, changing the radio station, just not paying attention. Or if you're like some people, how many of you know somebody that when they look at something on either side of the road, I knew that was coming, God. <laughs> you, your vehicle suddenly starts to go that way. Now let me tell you, if you're ever in the mountains with somebody like that, don't let them drive right? They don't need to be driving in the mountains, okay? But the reality of it is we we take our eyes off of what we're supposed to be doing, and the next thing you know, we're looking at stuff that really isn't important to us in life, and we start focusing on it. Let me tell you how it ties into the church. What happens in the church is that all of a sudden, we're looking at how God has blessed someone and gifted someone else, and, and... And we don't like how they're using their gift. And so we start looking at them going, well, they are not doing their gift right. Well, us spending time looking at how other people are doing their gift is taking away time that we should be using the gifts that God has given us. Stay in your lane. Know what your gift is. Know what your calling is. And if your gift and calling isn't what you think it should be, tough. Don't be ashamed of what God has given you. Don't be ashamed of what God has gifted you with. Use it, use the talent. Romans chapter 12, verse one through eight says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Folks, your number one job is to just simply give yourself to God. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. How can I know that I'm doing what God called me to do unless my mind is in the word? For through the grace then given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. Well, my gift's special. My gift's the only one that matters. What God has given me to do is more important than what God's given you to do. Baloney. Listen, why do you think I champion the people that come in without anybody knowing that they come in and they do stuff right here? All those papers that are in the back of those seats that you have are put here every Wednesday by two faithful women who come in and do all of that work by by making sure that everything has what it needs to have. They, They come in, they don't normally cut the air conditioner on, it's hot in here, and they just do their work. But you wouldn't know that. But if they didn't volunteer and do
1: that, guess what? Those little things would be empty. We have people that come up and just simply
0: give their time on Wednesday. We celebrate the women in the kitchen. But, you know, there's more than just two or three women in the kitchen. There's men who come up and do a lot of work that nobody knows they do. There's other women who come up and and put salt and pepper shakers on on a table, napkin dispensers on a table. There are other people that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, when they go to the uh, feed store, to the feed store, they are sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Everybody has
1: a talent and a gift. Don't think your talent or gift is more important than somebody else's.
0: For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think as So as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many parts in one body, and all the body's parts do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually parts of one another. Did you catch all that?
1: We're all different, but we all make up one body. Who in here is thankful for the folks that play the instruments and sing the songs?
0: Yeah. You know why you're thankful for them? Because you can't do it. Right? We can't do it, so we enjoy them leading us. Now, if you're not singing along with them, then you're missing the point of this group. This isn't a concert.
1: This is a time of worship where we worship together. So we who are many are one body in Christ, verse 5, and individually parts of one another. Verse 6, however, since
0: we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them properly. I'm going to tell you what that means. Your gift may not be something that everybody's going to want all the time. It Maybe it's not something that everybody needs all the time. Your gift may come into play in certain scenarios, in certain ways, in certain areas. You may not be the person that teaches every Sunday morning. You may not be the person that preaches or sings, but there's going to be that moment that God gives you that gift. Some of you have the gift of encouragement, and I'm going to tell you what, when I get those cards from Carol Derrick on a regular basis, and she's going to, she'll beat me for saying that, but she just sends letters of encouragement to me even in the shape that that she's been in, I still get these cards of encouragement from her. Some people are just encouragers. Some people, they have the gift of just knowing when someone else is down
1: and they just need a hug. They just need encouragement. Some people have the gift of discernment those are the type of people you want leading your church to be able to weigh and look and see all that's happening. Folks, it's important for us to understand. We all have the gifts, we all have the talents,
0: but they're not the same, and they're to be used properly. If, proper, if prophecy in proportion to one's faith, if service in the act of serving, are the one who teaches in the act of teaching, are the one who exhorts in the work of exhortation, the one who gives
1: with generosity, the one who is in leadership with diligence, the one who shows mercy with cheerfulness. But if someone's not using their gift the way you think it ought to be used, don't try
0: to insert your gift. Stay in your lane. Trust that God is going to put the right people in the right places to do the things that need to be done in order to fulfill his will,
1: in the life of this church. Now, I want to close finally with this, and it's very important we read this. God did not make us for division. He made us for his dwelling place. The purpose of this church is for people to see God in us. Ephesians 2: 19-
0: 22 says, "So then you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints." of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. No longer is God using acacia wood, no longer is God using gold and silver to build his temple, but instead he is using us to build his place. You and I have been set up. You and I have been put in that position of representing Christ. Folks, it is a great job that we have, an important job that we have, and one that we must take seriously.
1: So first, let go of power. Second, don't outrun your spiritual maturity.
0: And third, do your skill set. Do what God has called you to do, and you will make the church look very attractive to a lost and dying world. People are going to mess up. People are going to do dumb things. People are going to do things that make some of us go, what in the world
1: are they thinking? But folks, let me tell you this. By the grace of God, let us be a church of restoration and of hope.
0: And when people walk into this church, may they find a place to worship and may they find a place to belong as a brother or sister in Christ. That is my hope for Pine Island Baptist. Let's stand together. Father, we thank you that you have taught us how to go down this straight and narrow path. you've told us to quit thinking highly of ourselves instead to put others before us father you've told us to slow down and and mature in our faith before we get ahead of ourselves and ruin everything and then father you told us to use the gifts that we've been given and not look at the others and how they're being used but to focus on just simply doing our job That's the call that we have, to to be attractive, to, to look beautiful to a lost and dying world, to be a light. So, Father, help us to be obedient to that. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.